0: I'm with Todd Dorman now, the columnist with the Gazette newspaper. And you've covered politics a long time. And ordinarily in an interview like this, a throwaway question is, what unusual things have you seen in the campaign? Would that kind of question even register this year?
1: Uh, I think the entire campaign has been an unusual thing. So that that would be tough to pick out <laughs> one or even five or six unusual things. I, It's, it's almost as if everything we... Knew about the way campaigns are supposed to operate, the way, uh, you know, what candidates are supposed to do to get votes have all been sort of thrown out the window, at least by, by the Republican nominee. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to, there are going to be, uh, you know, shelves in universities filled with uh, theses and, and and books about this campaign, about all all of the all of the conventions it broke and all of the rules it broke and what it means. For the future and how it affected things uh, in the in the days ahead.
0: When you talk with voters, what types of things are they telling you? Are they giving you an impression that they're hearing things from the candidates, the presidential candidates? That is, that they want to hear.
1: Well, I I, I think mostly what I hear from voters during this election is not so much. That they're pleased with the proposals that their candidates are making. What I hear is that they're, is the anger they have about the other side. I hear from Democrats who are talking about, you know, the horrible things that Donald Trump has done or said, and I'm hearing from uh, Trump supporters that are angry that they don't think the media is telling the full story about how horrible Hillary Clinton is. I, I get very little stuff from either side that's you know, my candidate is great because it's mostly I'm voting for my candidate because the other one is completely unacceptable. And that's, that's sad, because, you know, the, the, the hope is that elections can be aspirational in some way, you know, about the future and and what, you know, what sort of ideas candidates have going forward to make the country better. But this just seems like it's a, it's a battle to prove which candidate is the, you know, the, the lesser of the two evils. I mean, that's, that's what I'm hearing.
0: Does it seem that the presidential candidate is dwarfing some of the other elections going on? For example, the Senate race is out there with Chuck Grassley and Patty Judge, but the Iowa legislature is up for grabs, especially the
1: Senate. Do you see much attention being given to that? The, the presidential race has taken up a lot of the oxygen. I mean, the the Senate race you mentioned, the, Iowa, the race for control of the Iowa Senate, probably Will have more direct impact on every on Iowans every day than the presidential race. But, I mean, the media saturation and you look at social media, people's Facebook feeds and their Twitter accounts and and whatever other you know platforms they're using. It's just everything is about the presidential race. There's just very little about this down ballot stuff. I, I, it's, it's, and that's another unfortunate aspect of this, is that a lot of these sort of important races for the legislature, county board of supervisor, I mean, positions that really have a big impact, you know, on the local issues that affect people, they're getting a lot of short shrift. They're kind of all on the back burner while this presidential race just just uh, takes up all the attention.
0: Well, and it's taken our attention for a couple of years because of the first-in-the-nation caucuses. Mm-hmm. Do you see any kind of chatter or interest in taking a look at those caucuses and reviewing what that means in this whole presidential process? Is Iowa at risk?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's there's going to be discussions after the election going forward by both parties as to what their, you know, what sort of primary calendar gives them the best chance of nominating someone who can win the general election. Republicans have been concerned in the past whether, you know, maybe Iowa had too much of an evangelical streak and that when, when it nominated Huckabee and, and uh, you know, uh, Rick Santor- when they voted for Huckabee and Rick Santorum and folks like that that are sort of more of the Christian conservative side, whether that's good for, uh, you know, to bring out, a good way to start a process where you want to get a candidate that's more acceptable with the Trump phenomenon. I think maybe that's sort of blown up a lot of that thinking, but I mean, if Trump loses, I think Republicans will look at their process and try to decide, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, arrive at a, at, a, at an eventual nominee that maybe has broader appeal. Democrats, same way if Hillary Clinton wins. I mean, she's never been a big fan of the caucus process and there may be a, a, a look among Democrats as to whether they want to change their, their calendar. The biggest thing going for Iowa, though, is that you hear a lot of people say, well, we'd like to change the process, but you never really find or hear a really good idea for how to change it. Every one of the other ideas has you know, flaws also, if you go to sort of a rotating regional primary, things like that. There are all sorts of reasons why those may not be the best way to go also. So in the end, people sort of throw up their hands and leave the status quo. And I have a feeling that that's probably where we're going to head this time is that I think Iowa will probably stay first. But there will be moments between now and then that that the caucuses will probably, you know, backers of the caucuses will feel that there's some threat.
0: When do you expect to see people back in Iowa after the election, putting out feelers to see if they'll yeah. stick as a potential presidential candidate?
1: Well, we've already seen uh, Tom Cotton, the senator from Arkansas, is, <laughs> has planned uh, to to speak at a—well, he has spoke at a Republican event. Uh, that was one of the striking things about uh, when I was in Cleveland for the Republican convention covering the Iowa delegation. I mean, you had Scott Walker and uh, Tom Cotton, as I mentioned, and several others— the sort of talking to the Iowa delegation, which is usually the sort of thing that happens when you know maybe uh you're you're nominating a sitting president for the second time, and there's going to be an open you know nomination process the next time with with someone running for their first term. that was kind of unusual to see. I think there is a feeling out there that if Donald Trump doesn 't win that this is going to be uh, Iowa's going to be there for the taking again, and I think you'll probably start seeing candidates soon maybe maybe sooner than you want to see them
0: what's been the best thing about writing about politics this cycle
1: uh i think the probably the best thing is that there's just you know there's there's been no shortage of stuff to have opinions about i mean from my perspective i write an opinion column so uh when when both campaigns are, are are being sort of outrageous then you've got a lot of a lot of fodder to write about but you know it's it's probably part of you know my my enthusiasm has been sort of tempered by uh you know the the readers I hear from from both sides people are people get pretty angry and it's a little more it's quite a bit more strident and and shrill than it normally was and and I'm hoping that after things die down we can sort of return to having a more constructive relationship but uh that's that's been that's been tough but man there's just there there are no there's no, there hasn't been a slow week. I mean, it's just there's always something. There's there's no there's no uh, uh, deficit of, of column ideas. That's for sure.
0: That might be getting to my last question, which is what's been the worst thing about writing about politics this cycle?
1: It's you know it's it's been it's been the anger, probably. You know, I've written some critical stuff about Donald Trump, and I hear quite a bit from his supporters that you know. Uh, about various character flaws <laughs> that they perceive that I have, it's, it's, it's gotten pretty personal quite a bit of the time. And that's, that's unfortunate, but uh, you know, it's, we, we've got a political process now where, where folks are, you know, daggers drawn and unfortunately, and that's, that's part of the game. And if you, and having an opinion is uh, difficult, I see lots of people on my, on my Facebook feed sort of leaving Facebook or they're, they announce that they're shutting it off for a while and, I, I I don't have that luxury. I <laughs> I have to keep having opinions and I, I welcome the feedback but but some of it is uh it's it's uh, it can be a little bit depressing.
0: Todd Dorman, thank you.
1: Thanks.